I'm David Woodsale, Director of Marketing and Communications at Amber and BGA, and you're listening to the Ambition Podcast. A couple of weeks ago, I caught up with Bodo Schlegelmilch, who is the Chair of Amber's International Management Board, to talk about radical innovations in business education and talk about some of the drivers and development trajectories for business schools in the new normal. Bodo had recently contributed an article to the Journal of Marketing Education, in which he discusses how higher management education sectors might have to change beyond recognition in some respects, in order to remain viable. So I wanted to catch up with Bodo about some of the specifics about these changes. And I was interested to hear his take on what technological disruptors he mentions in the article, as well as how he thinks business schools will be able to compete in the future. Well, hi Bodo, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to me today for the Ambition Podcast. Uh, We all know you as the chair of Amber's International Management Board, but I was hoping you might be able to tell us a little bit more about yourself and, and your very varied and exciting career to kick off the interview. Well, David, thank you very much for having me on the podcast, first of all. Uh, About myself, um, I started my career in Germany because I was born in Germany, so I worked for Deutsche Bank and Procter & Gamble and uh, subsequently uh, saw the light. And of course, what happens when you see the light, you become an academic. And I I worked uh, as a full professor in the US and the UK and uh, now in Austria. Other than that, uh, not much to highlight other than the fact that I think I'm relatively international in as far as I taught executive seminars in more than uh, 30 countries around the world. Okay. And on the topic of of business education, I was pleased to see that a few weeks ago you you had an article published in the Journal of Marketing Education. Um, And you talk about the need for business schools to have radical innovations and and outline some of the drivers and development trajectories that they need to consider, um, I suppose, in the new normal that we're facing in business education at the moment. Um, Would you be able to share some of the main themes or objectives from the article with us? Well, the article was designed as a wake-up call for business schools uh, to a certain degree because we are in the midst of uh, paradigmatic changes and Already before the corona crisis, we were in the midst of paradigmatic changes, thinking about technology, thinking about geopolitical changes, uh, more emphasis on Asia, etc., etc. So I thought I'd write a little piece which uh, should uh, shake, hopefully, some of the business school administrations and and deans a little bit. Uh, More formally, I took uh, a framework, which is a well-established framework by a guy called Ome, a former McKinsey um, consultant. And that's the so-called 3C framework and basically looks at customers, competitors and the company. The company is obviously the business school itself. And then looking through these lenses, looked at some of the likely changes and the uh, implications for business schools that are ahead of us. So I looked at technology, for example, and the changing technological landscape. I looked at the changes in the competition in terms of having more and more competitors who are from outside the industry. Uh, so from sometimes from people like LinkedIn Learning, uh, from corporate, cor- uh, corporate universities, etc. And obviously also looked at the response business schools came up with so far uh, in terms of how they can uh, compete uh, successfully in an environment like this. And I think it's fair to say that business schools are operating in a challenging environment at the best of times with a, with a VUCA sort of situation facing the world. But over the past number of months, we we have seen that COVID-19 has dramatically changed the landscape of higher education. Do you think this will have 
a permanent effect on how we we teach business education and higher education in general going forward? Well, permanent, yes and no. I, I would like to distinguish between three factors here, namely the delivery, the pedagogy uh, and the, the content. Uh, in terms of delivery, I think it will have an effect in as far as a permanent effect in as far as that I think more and more teaching will be done online. However, I don't believe that uh, online will completely wipe out uh, campus experiences because people still like to be on campus, in particular for strong brands. They like to be at LBS, they like to be at the Indian School of Business, they like to be at HEC, etc. So uh, to wipe it out completely is is unlikely because campus experience is uh, is still important. So the delivery will change. In terms of pedagogy, I think in line with the change delivery, we will see more and more flipped classrooms. So in other words, uh, lectures can be listened to uh, asynchronously and then a discussion will be synchronous uh, either online or in the class. So the traditional lecturing is uh, becoming somewhat obsolete. Uh, in terms of content, I think the corona crisis has been a wake-up call in a number of uh, dimensions in as far as that, for example, we need more concern about CSR, uh, what can companies do? What should companies do? What are their boundaries in terms of their corporate social responsibility? I think there will have to be more ecological debates, etc. So in terms of content, also the crisis will have an impact on what we teach in future. Absolutely. I think um, a lot of the business school leaders that I've spoken to over the past few weeks would, would absolutely agree with what you're saying. Um, some people that I've spoken to have said that you know the coronavirus caused a crisis, but it's also giving them the opportunity to strategize and, and come up with new innovations. With that in mind, do you think that Amber and BGA has a role to support business schools further during this challenging time? Yes, it does. Um, and I think we are already supporting business schools during this challenging time, times because, um, for example, podcasts like this uh, and similar ones uh, can be used to exchange experiences. Uh, there are certain uh, certain issues which always pop up. For example, how do you actually manage exams online? Still a bit big, big uh, issue for many, many uh, universities because it's actually technologically uh, fairly complex. Um, when we conduct acc accreditation visits, we do this online now. So, uh, for example, uh, later this week, I have a, an accreditation visit with a Chinese university in my schedule, and uh, this is all conducted online, and it works quite well. I've done that before now. Initially, I was highly skeptical, but it actually does work, uh, work quite well. And uh, last Lastly, focusing in particular on BGA, BGA, uh, I think, comes at the right time and came at the right time in as far as that it emphasizes the societal impact of business schools. And uh, it is more and more apparent that business schools should not only be profit-oriented. I'm not saying that it should not be profit-oriented, but the emphasis on only be profit-oriented, but should also emphasize what they can do for society in terms of societal impact. Societal impact can be multifold. For example, it can be um, 
what kind of uh, entrepreneurship centers can they offer in order to support the local economy and so on. Uh, and in all these uh, these areas, I think AMBA does already help business schools during these challenging times. So returning, I suppose, to the idea of business schools and looking forward to the next steps for them. Um, last year, you gave an interview to the Financial Times and you discussed the idea of business schools perhaps renting degrees as a way of staying relevant in the future. What do you think this actually means in practice and what could it look like for, for students, I suppose, in terms of them taking courses and moving forward with their professional uh, lifelong learning? Well, first of all, the renting degrees, I have to admit, was a little bit of a teaser. Um, <laughs> it was a teaser in as far as that I wanted to prod uh, some thinking along unconventional strategies. However, having said that, um, we are living in something in an area which is called uh, a shared economy. And uh, a lot of shifts have happened from ownership to renting. So the idea that students should rent their degrees for a few years and then pay their dues in terms of coming back, having to take refresher courses after three, four, five years is actually not a bad idea. It's uh, focusing on lifelong learning. The idea that business schools see their students student relationships finish at the degree level is an old idea because we have so many changes. You mentioned already we're living in a VUCA world. We have so many changes that lifelong learning and a commitment to lifelong learning should be encouraged. And uh, this encouragement is perhaps a little bit more of a stick than a carrot. Um, and the balance between the stick and the carrot needs to be sorted out by each school. But in principle, you can actually build a nice business model around a subscription model. However, the caveat is you would have to have a very, very strong brand to convince people to stay with one subscriber during the lifetime because otherwise the temptation is that students want to switch from one business school to the other and from one subscriber, uh, from one uh, offer to the other rather than sticking always with one particular business school. And I suppose with that in mind, as, as things change further in, in business education, how do you think the role of accreditation bodies such as AMBA and BGA will shift in, in light of these radical changes? Well, the accreditation itself and the content of accreditation is uh, shifting um, in a way permanently because we focus much more on lifelong learning than we previously did, where the focus was primarily on the content, on the delivery of an MBA course. So the question of outreach activities uh, is popping up very, very often. How do you keep in touch with your alumni? What is the interaction between the business school and the alumni? Do you foster enterprise? entrepreneurship uh, and these kind of questions are much more in the focus of accreditation than uh, it has ever been. Absolutely. You're a person with your ear to the ground when it comes to radical innovations. And you talk a lot about technologies which business schools are already using to great effects, such as holograms, AI, virtual reality, or augmented reality. But what technology are you particularly interested in? And which do you think will have the, the biggest effect, I suppose, in changing the sector going forward? 
Well, let me put a damper on technology in the first place. And as far as that, I think technology is important, but it does not really provide sustainable competitive advantages or unlikely to provide sustainable competitive advantages because sooner or later, uh, technologies become commoditized. So um, even if you have sophisticated holograms, sooner or later, the prices of these holograms will come down and more and more schools will be able to afford this. Having said that, in the short run, the simple the cost of technologies and to enable uh, the usage of technologies the knowledge required for that may create an obstacle for some business schools but somehow or the other ultimately the large majority of technologies focus on delivery they focus on a better way to teach online rather than to change content the only exception perhaps is artificial intelligence because here we are focusing a little bit more on trying to work out what kind of gaps people have who come to the business school and put them together with their career aspirations and consequently then schools are able to tailor what they're doing much more to the individual learner than ever before but once again um, this is a time race a temporary advantage a temporary competitive advantage you get Ultimately, I think technology is um, useful. Uh, it will change the way we teach, but for the large majority of uh, business schools, it will not provide a long-term, and I emphasize long-term, sustainable advantage. And just to finish the, the interview, Bodo, I would like to draw upon some of your marketing expertise, if that's okay. So. If, hypothetically speaking, the future of business schools is indeed going to be around short courses or stackable degrees, how can the top schools ensure brand loyalty from students and alumni moving forward? Well, David, I think loyalty always depends on two things. Number one, you want to be associated with top brand. Uh, that is important. So uh, you create loyalty to big names um, and that, that is presumably easier for big schools than for small schools. So in a way, the way you phrase the question, how can big brands create loyalty uh, for top business schools is less of a problem than for smaller business schools. Uh, secondly, I think it all boils down to content. Content is king because people want to listen to interesting and relevant content. And so in order to produce content, you have to have a school that is able to support relevant and interesting research because otherwise people don't have anything interesting to listen to. So Ultimately, despite all the technological advances we are talking about, it still boils down to content. Well, Bodo, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to me today. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, but I really appreciate you sharing your insights with us for the podcast. So thank you very much again. Thank you very much, David. It was a pleasure as always. And you can find much more insight into the future of business education, as well as technological disruptors, on our website at www.associationofmbas.com forward slash ambition.